I've not met you, my name is Robert Green. Um, I serve here on the Watermark staff in the role of what we call the National Director of Reengage. So, don't know if you know this, but Reengage not only is offered here at Watermark, but also at 480 churches around the country. So, there's 480 other places tonight, um, not tonight, this week, uh, where churches are meeting, um, doing exactly what you're doing. We've had, I mean, we're not married to numbers, but man, it's amazing what God has done through this because we've had over 100,000 couples go through Reengage across the country. So what you're doing tonight, um, there's a lot of other couples doing, and thank God for that. And we're hoping to move the marriage, uh, kind of the, the marriage culture here in the country, uh, just based on us serving what, uh, what the Lord's called us to do. Enough on that. We've got some great questions. We've already had some questions texted in, okay? So we're going to hit the ground running. But first, let's meet everybody. Costas, you mind going first? Just give us a quick who you are. Sure. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Daniel Costa. This is uh, my godly wife, Cynthia. Uh, we have been married for 17 years. We have uh, 11-year-old twins, uh, Tomas and Alice. Uh, we spent 15 years uh, bumping our heads and uh, trying to do things our way until two years ago when we decided to surrender our lives and our marriage to God. And we're very thankful for the opportunity to be here and share uh, some of our experience with you. We're going to get testimonies tonight, but you just did. That's a great testimony. Bobby. So uh, we're Bobby and Shari Johns. Uh, we have uh, two boys, 13 and 17, one of them going off to college. Uh, we've been around reengaged since like 2008, um, and uh, I wasn't uh, I wasn't a believer when we started, and uh, I am now. <laughs> Amen. And uh, we're Monty and uh, Marsha Dunn, and we've been married for 46 years. We have three grown children and married, and nine grandchildren. And for 30 years, we had a marriage that was built around secrets and unconfessed sins and anger and bitterness. And we came to re-engage, and God redeemed our marriage. And we've had a, at least the last 13 or 14 years of growing in Christ and loving each other well. Fantastic. And hey, one thing I want you to know about um, these three couples up here, they're not up here because they know everything that there is to know. In fact, these are six of the most humble people that I know. Um, they've just said, hey, we've, we've certainly encountered some things in life, you know, as Monty just referenced, um, you know, that have allowed us to see some things uh, happen that uh, we think, you know, that we can share that with others. And they've done a great job, you know, leading uh, couples through that. So let's, let's kind of start with, a, with an interesting question. Um, so you've been coming to reengage for a while. You guys a little bit more than the, than the Costas. But let's just start here. How have you and your marriage changed since you've been coming to re-engage. You guys take a shot at that. I'll grab that real quick because we started. We, like I said, we were married 46 years, and so we grew up Christians, and we thought we had this thing figured out, but <laughs> we were, uh, were not. We were broken. Uh, we couldn't even minister in churches together. Uh, we could not communicate well, and there was anger and bitterness in our lives that we didn't even know and understand. And uh, we came to re-engage thinking we could just do a Bible study. And we came to forgiveness and forgiveness in action. It just broke us. Mm -hmm. And we began to confess sins and we became honest. We became transparent with each other. And that has made all the difference in Christ has just changed our lives dramatically. 
Um, since coming to reengage, our marriage has changed dramatically. Um, I was coming to service by myself. Bobby wasn't coming with me. Um, when, uh, after asking him about the fourth Sunday or something, he finally decided to come with me. And then we found out about reengage, and we thought we're gonna we're gonna give this a try. And um, yeah, he jumped in with both feet, and our I mean, as I as did I, but. Um, we, our marriage has drastically changed. We now have two boys when I was never going to have another baby with him. And uh, so our life has just um, been blessed through Christ. Yeah, for us, even though it's been only eight months since we've finished uh, the re curriculum, uh, we quickly realized that you don't graduate from re-engage. Right? It's, a, it's an opportunity to change the trajectory of your marriage, but it is a, a lifelong process. And just a few days ago, I was back to our re-engage book to read the conflict and the <laughs> uh, expectations lessons to go, go over some of things that were uh, ruminating in my heart, and I needed uh, uh, that toolbox, the Bible verses, to... Uh, uh, cling to and really uh, examine my heart. And it's, it's, it's been always very helpful. So one of the questions we got in was, at what point did you feel re-engage making a difference in your marriage? So, you know, it's a relatively recent, you know, for you guys, a little bit longer for you guys, but think of the people here who maybe just started. Uh, maybe they're still in an open group. Maybe they're in week one. Maybe they're, you know, in week 14. Where did you start to see a change? Like for somebody who's maybe in week seven and change hadn't quite hit yet, what would you what would you say, you know, to them? Where did you start seeing a change? I think for us, uh, it was a gradual change, but a pivotal lesson was forgiveness. I think it was a, a critical element, uh, a moment to reflect and share past wounds and uh, really uh, be vulnerable and transparent to one another and show true to our spouse that we were uh, uh, willing to really dissect ourselves and, uh, and uh, in our uh, journey towards oneness. Okay. Yeah, I also think for us, it's picking one thing. You don't gonna ace everything of the book and say just uh, week seven, I should be done with seven items. Just pick one thing and communicate and have that daily, what can we do this week? Can we don't make assumptions, kind of something really bothering you, come in a loving way. Can we change this? It could be something like the towel, can be something big, but I think you just pick one thing. <laughs> uh, I would say that the forgiveness chapter was where we definitely started seeing change. Mm -hmm. Because along with forgiveness, before that comes confession, and oh my goodness, <laughs> we did not realize what we needed to confess until that chapter, and that mm -hmm. just really opened up a whole new way of life for us. That's great. Shari, how, how long into re-engage did you guys start seeing a, a difference? It's a while ago for you, so yeah, if you it, want to take the fifth, that's cool. No, it's okay. It was, it was, in, it took a little bit. I, confessing I was very hard-hearted, and, um, but Bobby jumped in with both feet, and he was going after it, you guys, 
And we were folding clothes one night, uh, and he, I looked at him and I said, are you becoming some kind of Jesus freak? <laughs> I just wasn't u- used to this. So um, it was, it was me, me having to let my heart become softer, but it was about halfway through for us, I think. The former atheist becomes a Jesus freak, man. That's a, that's a good book. You need to start writing that. Nobody's more surprised than I am. So. <laughs> Amen to that. All right, let's change gears a little bit, and let's talk about um, a question that came in. Can you help me with actually forgiving my spouse? I'm struggling to release my anger and hurt. Okay, so you can just kind of feel the emotion, you know, of, of that. So, Bob, you got the mic. Why don't you start there? We'll yeah, I think, I, I think from watching how things play out and re-engage and what God does with, with people's hearts, um, the, the first step is just making the decision that you're going to follow God's advice on uh, his, his, his will on granting forgiveness because he, he forgave all of us worse stuff than whatever your spouse has done. And so making that decision uh, isn't an easy one. It's, it's something that's easy to say and hard to do, but it's just something you got to live with. It's something you got to, to, to decide and recommit to that decision every day because the, the forgiveness that you're granting is not... Uh, because the other person deserves it, because none of us do. None of us deserve the grace that we've been given. What it is is it's, it's, a, it's a reason to let go of that hurt and that pain that you're hanging on to. Uh, withholding forgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And so if you let go of that, it frees you. Uh, and it's something that, that I think is really important to, to let go of because you've got to stay down with it for so long if you don't. That's good. That apart, so you guys kind of hit forgiveness. I think that was a big deal, you know, with you guys as well. Well, I just also for us and the people we talked about, Bob is exactly right. But forgiveness is not saying your hurt is okay, saying your hurt didn't matter, saying that uh, they they don't have a consequence that goes with that hurt. Mm-hmm. But choosing to forgive it frees you from the bitterness and toxicity that just eats at your soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so you begin there, and then let let God let God do the healing for your spouse as He's healing you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think the only thing that I would add is uh, we shouldn't expect to feel like forgiving. Right? It's not an emotion that comes to you and say, "Oh, now I'm ready to forgive." Forgive is a choice that we make, and we must make for the reasons that uh, were already mentioned. That's right. Yeah, if we wait until we're ready, it may never happen. Um, so, yeah, for anybody that is struggling with that, I mean, you know, certainly Matthew 18, you know, the whole parable of the unmerciful servant is a great place to go. When I look at this question, I say, hey, I'm struggling. You know, does that mean you're struggling with what God has asked us to do? Or are you struggling with actually doing what he has asked us to do? And so Matthew 18 is a great place to go if you just want to understand God's heart. You know, and then it's a matter of obedience. Do we, do we follow through and getting some people around me that can help encourage me, you know, to do that? Because that can really be difficult. Okay. Um, let's go here. It says, my husband and I are in different places spiritually. And this brings up conflict. Any advice? Okay. Marsha, you want to give it a go? I would first ask... Um conflict, you know, where or how does that cause conflict? Is it he won't go to church with you or when you try to have a spiritual conversation with him, is that 
where the conflict is. So I might ask you that first and encourage you to um, just go to the Lord in your own time and express to him the problem, the issue, and the hope that you have for your spouse. And rather than convicting, trying to convict your spouse of their sin, if this is one area, uh, just pray for that spouse and pray for God and the Holy Spirit through the Holy Spirit to give him the desire to read his word, to uh, just connect with God. Costas, Bob? This was part of our story. Uh, Cynthia was a believer when we were married. Uh, We got married and I wasn't. And I thank God for her enduring 15 years married to an unbeliever. Uh, When I uh, uh, accepted Jesus, we were so off sync that she was very skeptical and took a a while for her to really uh, believe that that had happened. So for a few months, I was on the other side. I was uh, clinging to Jesus and asking him to heal me from uh, everything that I was going through without her on board. And it was the most difficult time of my life that really uh, brought me close to to Jesus. Uh, What I learned from those uh, uh, couple of months was the importance of... uh, uh, not seeking my identity in the success of my marriage, but instead uh, in my relationship with him. And uh, then our marriage came along. Uh, it, this, this pursuit of him, and, and, and this is something that we hear over and over, but what that me- meant in practice for me was really learning, as a new believer, learning uh, the truth through his word, praying, and then getting surrounded by uh, Christians that uh, help guide me in, in that journey. Um, so uh, that is certainly an advice. That, and it's the draw the circle around yourself, right, that we hear also over and over. Don't let these things that you hear over and over make you numb to them because they are very important truths that we should live our lives by. I echo I, I the same sort of thing where I spent a lot more time on the other side of the fence than this one. And one of the things that I found most encouraging was just having acceptance about wherever I was on the journey because I was going to make it myself. It's not a journey somebody else can take for you. It's not something somebody can talk you into. It's not something that, that works that way. It's, a, it's something that you kind of have to do with you and God. That's what happens. And so having people who are patient people who actually can, can display God's love through their actions and through their behavior and the way that they operate. And, and uh, you know, it's very enticing. It's one of those sort of things like, I don't know what that is, but I want to know more about that. Mm-hmm. And so the more honest you can be, the more straightforward you can be. The, the, when somebody has a genuine question, you know, talk about those things. And, and, and if you don't know the answer, find somebody who does. Sometimes it's an emotional question. Sometimes it's an intellectual question. Some sort of apologetic. But there's no rush. You know, take your time. They will come around. God does his work all the time. That's good. And, uh, gang, for those texting in questions, it does not help to ask me where I get my hair cut. Okay? (laughs) Keep those questions to the side. I'm having to filter through some of these, so I'm not sure. 
Hey, Shari, I would love to get your take on this, on this question. You remind me a lot of my wife. You're both very, you know, strong-willed. Have, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and this question sure. is, hey, Ephesians 5.22, it talks about wives submitting to husbands. But I was just wondering how this verse should be interpreted. Like, should wives be submissive in everything, even mm-hmm. small things? Or is it supposed to be the wife submits more on intimacy-related things? How would you tackle that? Okay. Yes, um, I am incredibly, yes, strong-willed, and I struggle with that too. But So I, was, I learned to take a step back, and I realized that the Lord, that Bobby was, he had someone else that he was reporting to. And um, when I realized he was ready to step up and lead, I, I do feel like I would take control a lot. That's a part of my nature. I'm, I'm kind of go get it, right? And I would leave him in the dust. And so I, I had to step back, slow down, and give him the opportunity to lead. And when I did that, he was able to step into that role that I realized through engage that I was taking away from him. And so the Lord showed me that when I can step back and trust my husband in all areas and that we can have really good conversation because it's about everything, kids, worse, sons going to college, sex, we can now have really good conversation and then, and I, he's in a place where I trust him now, if that makes sense. So I trust his lead. Does that answer the question? That's, that's, <laughs> that, that is great. That is great. Anybody want to add to that? That's good. Hands off. Marsha, quick. Yep. I'm still learning on this area. So I always cling to the verse. The one right before it? No. Uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> Submitting submitting one to another. So I don't even know where it's found, but I know it's, it's right in there. It's Ephesians 5, 21. Oh, so thank 22 you. is, yeah, 21 is submit therefore to each okay. other. Okay. Yep. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Okay. I think part of the okay. verse is yeah. also husbands to love your wife as Christ loved the church. I think when you have a husband that loves you that much, he will respect you. He's not going to be uh, not wanting to diminish you, but to appreciate you. So uh, that's all Jesus. He didn't expect us to be uh, ready to, to receive him. He was always initiating the love, the forgiveness. So I think that doesn't come, that the submission part, it's combined. Well, I think added to that, I've got to say, for, for us dealing with that, which was difficult as well, but yeah, the husband being the leader, it really looks like me being the initiator. Mm-hmm. When we have hurt, when we have pain, when we have arguments, when we have issues, I should be the initiator. I should be the one to ask for forgiveness first. So I think it really looks like initiating uh, the issues that need to be discussed and not being a weenie and running away from them, which yeah. I was in the earlier part. That's great. Yeah, I mean, for Linda and I, we've been married 38 years. And, um, you know, this, this whole idea of, you know, submission, it, there's, there's not been, a, there have been two decisions in 38 years where we basically could not come to an agreement. And we've taken it to community and they couldn't agree. And finally, you know, we just said, hey, somebody's got to decide. And she said, you decide. 
It's happened twice in 38 years. Um, because of exactly what you guys are talking about, we will talk it, talk, talk it through and finally arrive at, hey, this is what we think you know, the Lord wants us to do. So um, I think it can work. So let's, um, let's talk about what happened after re-engage. Uh, so a question came in, how was life after re-engage when you really didn't have a weekly class and material uh, you know, to study and work on? What happened next? Was it easy to keep going? Um, and Costas, y'all turned around and now you're uh, helping to lead a group. Um, but how, how did you do in that season when you're out of the group and not, uh, not leading? Yeah, we certainly missed it. And uh, it was uh, Wednesday evening and said, what are we going to do now? Uh, we missed uh, coming here, uh, and uh, we're very thankful for the opportunity to be here again. Uh, we learned, we developed some habits uh, that helped us uh, not lose momentum and continue to grow spiritually together. Things like praying together, doing uh, morning devotionals by ourselves, and then sharing what uh, our interpretation of those passages were at night before going to bed, uh, praying with the kids, praying for one another during the day. Um, so 9-11, a, a terrible um, uh, uh, day with very sad memories is, is our anniversary. But 9-11 a.m. every day, my alarm rings, except for Sunday. I don't want to uh, disrupt to the service. Uh, <laughs> and I pray for Cynthia. And, uh, and it's a moment where praying together, uh, I can share with her things that are making my heart anxious as I speak to God and vice versa. So that really helped us uh, grow together. And it's another thing that uh, we kept hearing about it and never really realized the power of it until we actually did it. It's great. Very purposeful. Love that. Love that. Anybody else after reengage? How'd you how'd you kind of keep things going? So yeah, we um, we did a lot of different things, but but one of the things that we uh, started to do was try to find things to do together. So places that we could serve together, places we could you know find things to to keep us together, even you know date nights or something like that, so that we did uh, what you would expect. It was kind of awkward at first because we weren't really used to doing that. It kind of felt weird because you would. You know, I mean, I haven't had a book with questions in it, so I'd have something to talk about. Uh, and so it, it feels kind of funny at first to do that, but then after a while it begins to feel more comfortable, uh, especially when, you, when you've learned some of, the, some of the techniques about, you know, paying attention and listening to understand, not necessarily to wait for your turn to talk. So. I think one of the things that uh, has really been uh, good for us is we've, we read books together mm -hmm. uh, and literally we'll read a chapter. One will read or the other will read. We're sitting by the fireplace or whatever and reading, you know, John Elmore's book or, mm -hmm. or right now we're doing David Marvin's book and it's just been a, a great experience for us. And we've learned to pray together and we mm -hmm. did not do that before re-engage and we pray together daily and it's a significant part of our marriage. Game changer. Okay. So we got to land the plane. We've got um, at least six questions here we didn't get to, so forgive us uh, for that. We, if, if there's a question here that you would like to have answered, we want to make sure uh, that that happens. So we'll, um, when Matt, you want to talk, kind of talk about that when you come up. Why don't we just close with, could, let's just go down the line. Tell me, uh, one of the questions was, hey, if you had to choose one Bible verse to memorize to help you be a better spouse, what would you choose? Monty, what would you choose? And tell us what it is. Yeah, James 1.19 for me, because I do have anger issues. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and even slower to anger. And we pray that, and I pray that uh, together. For Perfect. Us. Uh, the one I would choose is John fifteen four. Abide in me, as I abide in you. I don't know the rest of it, but that's all I can take care of. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that's all I can hold on to because I know that that's I'm the only one that can be responsible for my relationship to Christ. Um, mine is Proverbs three five and six, and trust in the Lord with all your heart not just some of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. That's me and my control issues. In all your ways, like all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Mine's not very long. Mine's not very long, but uh, mine's First John 4, uh, 19. We love because he loved us first. I, I think of it that way is because it's, it's uh, on us to initiate. So uh, if there's something that's not going right, then it's up to uh, us as being the husband to initiate that. I love uh, Philippians 2, 3, that says, Do nothing out of self-ambition, vain conceit, but consider others more important than yourself. I think I can think about being more humble. And if I want him to do something at the time that I want to, I can kind of re-examine my own heart and see, is there... <laughs> Really has to be done now. Can uh, if he doesn't want to do, and it's nothing, no big deal. I can just okay. Can we find a, another way? It doesn't have to be my way. It can always be a third way. So I think uh, that's a good way to not to have my own truth, but be grounded on God's truth. And I share with uh, Shari uh, Proverbs three. Uh, I think. Uh, leaning not on my own understanding uh, and uh, goes against my tendency to rationalize and uh, try to be in control, control the outcome of everything. So be, being full, it's a great reminder to be fully surrendered to, to our God. Bobby, you had your chance. He was going to, he told me he was going to quote first Babylonians, you know, <laughs> and Bobby's the funniest guy up here. He could give us a stand-up routine right now on the spot if we asked him to. So former stand-up comedian Bobby Johns. Y'all, thank these six for being up here with us today.